This episode of the Front Row Movie Reviews is brought to you by Killens Comics. Look, we all love superhero movies at the front row, and we're fairly certain that you do too if you listen to us because, well, it's about 80% of the things we talk about. So why not see some of the inspiration for these awesome movies we all love by picking up some of the graphic novels at Killens. It is located in Springfield right off of Wabash Avenue, and they've got so much more than just comic books in there, so much to choose from. So head on over to Killens comics and when you're there tell them the front row sent you now it's on with the podcast there's this there's this guy like he was outside our house I don't think so. Yeah, no, it's it's fine. I think he's gone. Well, hello, everyone out there in podcast world, and welcome back to the Front Row Movie Reviews podcast, the podcast for people who actually like movies. And uh, this is a very special edition of the podcast today because we are joined by two awesome, awesome people in the in the filmmaking industry here, uh, and we are going to be talking their movie. It's called You Are Not Alone, and this is a whole podcast dedicated just to it. Uh, so who's here with us here? Tell us your names. Uh, my name is Chris O'Brien, and uh, I am the co-writer of You Are Not Alone. And, with and us my here. name is Derek Munger, and I am the director and producer of You Are Not Alone. There we go. That's great. And then <laughs> I'm Craig McFarlane, the guy who actually gets terrified of all horror movies. <laughs> so I want to thank both of these gentlemen for um, Sleepless nights, inhabiting right? my nightmares the last couple of <laughs> nights after I watched this movie. Uh, I double-checked every single door in my house, oh. legit, and then um, refused to go down to my basement the last couple of days. So thank you. I'm not even joking. Like, That's I, what we like to hear. I was watching this movie um, and on the screener and... Literally about a couple of times I had to get up and make sure every door was locked. <laughs> and then as I'm in the studio that we're in now, I even had to close the door to that because I didn't like having my back to the door. So, so no joke, uh, I, get a, I get a text from a friend uh, because I'm from the Quad City area originally right around Iowa. And in Muscatine, Iowa right now, there's some strange men wearing black clothes jumping out of cars <sighs> on rural highways. So, like, this in conjunction with that has completely messed up my world this last week. So thank you. Hey, That's you're welcome. terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> that is terrifying. Uh, all right, so there's uh, the introduction. So let's just kick right into this here. Why don't you guys tell us just a little bit about yourselves so our listeners can get to know you. Uh, well, Derek and I actually met uh, about seven or eight years ago now, uh, working in Springfield here at uh, Family Video together, strangely. And uh, we just kind of clicked and on a lot of levels and started uh, writing together. And then this is the first project that we've conceived of together that has um, come to fruition. As anybody in the industry knows, that uh, there's lots of starts and stops on these things. And uh, finally, getting something out into distribution is really exciting for us. Yeah, definitely. Derek, what about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, just an extension of that thought from Chris. Uh, we had been working on a screenplay about a year before that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and then that kind of started the gears uh, for for this film because we were just thinking about getting something that we could realistically get to uh, a point of production and then get it to market. 
Uh, uh, it's funny that you mentioned this, these rural highway guys because for Derek, that is a big um, sort of birth point of this project is he had some similar experiences uh, to what uh, happens in the film where oh. there was some sort of uh, person on the loose in, uh, in the area that he was living at the time. And, and I'm uh, terrified all over again. Uh, Thanks, guys. Um, no, I'm not <laughs> sleeping tonight. Thank you. Right. <laughs> uh, can you tell us a little about that, Derek? Yeah, so I had just graduated college, and I was uh, coming back to my hometown, which is Walnut, um, which is the town that we filmed in. And um, and when I was back, there was a, there was an actual kind of a spree killing that was happening. So there was a literal killer on the loose, <sighs> and um, I just remember, you know, kind of like the buildup to that was some of the more iconic things that you see and you're not alone it's like seeing the newspaper uh uh hearing about it on the radio and just like hearing everybody talking about it and it was this really surrealistic feeling and it, it really in a way felt like i was in a film that was happening because it just didn't seem real and um and then when i was coming home one night i had gone to this house party and I was walking home hey. and I get to the, the door of my house and, and my parents were gone. They were on vacation. So I had the place to myself and it was just sitting empty, unlocked all day. And uh, <laughs> I got home and my friend, he, he called me up and he was like, hey, did you hear? Uh, they spotted the guy and he was like in the cornfields outside of town. And there was like a police helicopter chasing him. And what you have to realize is that my parents' house uh, at the time was right on the edge of town, right of next to was. the field <laughs> right. he was talking about. So I was I was sitting in the house by myself with like a fire <laughs> poker in my hand, just thinking about the worst shit that was going to possibly happen. That's oh my God. There's like so that is terrifying. like there's so many parallels <laughs> with the movie there. That's amazing. It's, it's uh, the we uh, we really like that sort of uh, first person perspective, the found footage genre. We we like the look of that and the feel of that and the experience of that. But a lot of uh, what we had a problem with is some of the um, using it as a device where you've got this sort of you got to have this character that is this camera that we're yeah. right. trying to, you we get to justify why are these people filming this? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. why aren't they running away? Like, <laughs> it's just like, well, we've gotten to the point where like audiences understand the, that language, that visual, the visual cues of that language has developed enough because it's been out long enough now that audiences understand that inherently. You don't have to explain it to them. So just putting yourself behind that first person behind that character's eyes and just making that what you're seeing from was uh, important to us. And so we spend that first half of the film in that real slow burn um, where we're just living life through Natalie's eyes and coming to understand uh, the things that she does and you just grow comfortable with it. Yeah, and that's And that's the point of that portion of the film, uh, to create that world and make it real for you so that when things do start to pick up, then you're already in that, you're already in her skin. Yeah. Uh, so the idea was to really give somebody a, a very creeped out experience that well, they're mission uh, coming accomplished. through. <laughs> well, uh, and before we get into all that, we completely forgot to mention that this is going to be premiering at uh, the Hoagland Center for the Arts coming up on July 2nd. So you can definitely get your tickets for that. It'll be Tickets $8. are available. Yep. Uh, and they're available at the door as well. Great. So and you can buy them through Eventbrite if you'd like to. So yep, absolutely. Hoagland Center for the Arts here in Springfield, Illinois, if you can make it out, definitely come out and support this film. And, uh, being able to watch it, it, it was just one of those experiences where um, someone that doesn't necessarily 
usually watch the horror slasher drama <laughs> or uh, genre. This really um, put me in that perspective, and a lot of that's because of the found footage, the the first person, uh, you're in Natalie's shoes the entire time, mm-hmm. um, which is a really interesting concept. You know, we've seen a couple oh, of yeah. movies come out. The, the most recent example is Hardcore Henry that sure. just came out. Um, but it to me, this allowed for you to, to fit into that comfort zone of um, going through just like basically a day in her shoes before everything goes awry at night, which is right. exactly yeah. what you were saying. And that, that's actually one of the things I wrote down when I was watching this movie was one of my biggest notes was we spend all this time like with her, with her friends, um, absolutely love the scene with the drug dealer, the captain. Or whatever. Like, right. <laughs> I, I, that guy's absolutely hilarious because unfortunately I've had a few friends in my life who think that Healy's are, you know, coming back in a big way. <laughs> um, but that was great. But uh, yeah, it was that scene when she leaves the party and we get that slow walk home in the mm-hmm. middle of the night. And I remember writing down exactly, I said, it's amazing how this town felt so welcoming and so warm and stuff uh-huh. at the beginning, and now it is literally terrifying, and all that has <laughs> changed is that it's now dark. Right. Um, so, uh, Derek, was that like a very specific choice to spend all that time at the beginning to do that, to make that, that nighttime stuff even creepier? Well, yeah, and, and uh, to kind of echo some summits from, uh, from Chris, you know, I think it's, I think the greatest point of empathy uh, for a main character that you can't see comes with spending a great deal of time and kind of establishing that reality. And uh, we had a lot of conversations internally just about how you how you kind of um, ground what is about to happen and what happens in the second half of the film by giving that world a real sense of like, this is everyday life. And like, these are things that I think you can relate to because so much of the time, specifically within the genre, uh, you have a lot of instances where you've got like 10 to 15 minutes of setup mm-hmm. and you don't have a real firm grasp of like how exaggerated the world is and like how kind of strange these circumstances are. So uh, for us, I think it was always important to to have that first half and to really kind of give you a, a real sense of misdirection and to have this moment where it, it turns and you're still, you're almost as unsure as the main character is. And, um, and then I think also is to introduce something that at the time, and you'd mentioned hardcore Henry ha- has come out recently, but at the time that we were producing this, there really hadn't been much in the way of a, a POV film. So we were really kind of trying to establish this, feeling and to give people an understanding of what they were seeing and that they were seeing this literally through the eyes of the of the main character yeah and definitely like with with hardcore henry and with this um do you guys think and i think it that works much better in the horror genre uh the pov shooting right um i i liked hardcore henry don't get me wrong like it was a cool it's kind of like a roller coaster ride yeah that you're yeah just exactly along but for. this this is a lot more there drama mean before you go in <laughs> yeah right. just a little um but like with because i told uh, chris before we start recording here that uh, found footage is the horror genre that creeps me out the most <laughs> i know it sometimes gets a bad rap but it's like it just reminds me of something that Hitchcock always said about like the scariest thing isn't you know the crazy awesome monster it's the thing you don't see it's the it's the thing right around the corner and that's why I think found footage is so great but with this film you're right you get rid of that 
that plot device of like, why are you still carrying a camera? <laughs> like, right, just, it's just like that <laughs> final barrier between you and the yeah, experience. Yeah, exactly. So do you guys both, and I'll throw this to both of you, do you think that this is like the future of the found footage horror film? Like, do you think this is where it's going? Uh, it's possible. Go ahead, Derek. Um, I was going to say, I, I think that you are probably going to see more and more of this, but I think you're going to see it in a different way. And I think it's more going to be in a an evolution of VR than it will be more traditional cinema. Okay. Um, and, and I have to say, you know, Chris and I always knew from day one that this film was going to be, uh, I think, a, a little bit more experimental. Um, and and with that, it might not be as accessible to a mainstream audience. Um, and, and there were a lot of things that we simply didn't know going into it <laughs> and just how you structure a film right. where um, you, you don't have a chance to mm-hmm. give the, the main character a point of, facial recognitions or, yeah. or, you know, emoting outside of, uh, I guess, a vocal range. And so you're playing off of a lot of uh, in-camera interactions. So there's there's always uh, characters that have to be given more dialogue than the main character. Uh, you have to, you know, position your staging in a certain way. And then, you know, whole set pieces of action are kind of hard to translate uh, through that visual storytelling so well the, uh, just the framing alone of uh of being stuck in you know we're trapped in this perspective mm-hmm. we can't you know it's not as simple as you can't just zoom in yeah to, exactly. to emphasize certain things like it's much more subtle than that and it makes it uh, a lot of obstacles for well, that what's what's interesting to me is and this is maybe a weird comparison but um i really enjoyed uh, the Tom Cruise remake of War of the Worlds because it was mm. one of those movies where you saw everything through his perspective. So instead of like going back to, uh, in your movie, it'd be like going back to the police station and seeing what might be going on there. Right. Um, it's got to be fairly difficult, though, to be able to come at that from a writer's standpoint in that you can't explain plot through anyone but Natalie in this right. case. So Yeah, you, there's uh, so no you can't you can't there's no cutaways. So you've got to you're stuck with this character and that's part of like a lot of the things that we were trying out cuz we didn't uh, we had a bunch of kind of crazy ideas that are not conventional commercial filmmaking ideas that sometimes don't play. Uh, so we had, you know, like the scene with the captain where we wanted you to literally be tra- trapped in a room with this guy yeah. like <laughs> And you can't get away. Yeah, and, you can't, and, and you're stuck there with her. So, like, some of that stuff, like, when... Because we did a, a screening uh, in Sterling, which is right near Walnut, where, where we shot the film. Um, a lot of that stuff, it all made in that original cut. And, you know, we looked at it after that, and uh, it was like some, of it, like, some of this works, some of this doesn't work. And I came to this realization where I was just like, Derek, <laughs> this is... This is exactly what we wrote. Like this cut of the film is literally exactly what we wrote. <laughs> I was like, and and it's like, oh, some of these ideas don't work. You cannot do some of this stuff. Like you cannot like just make this audience sit with this uh, drug dealer for like fifteen or twenty minutes. Right. Like it doesn't work. Um, so like you you can do some shorthand and you can create that same experience for an audience by par it down some and and emphasize those things. So like. That was a big thing for us, too, is coming back. And I know Derek has spent a lot of time 
coming up with the current edit of, of the film of what you guys are seeing sure. today. And it, it clips along pretty nicely at this it point. It does. And what yeah, it does actually. is it allows you to, I mean, everybody's had those same experiences. This is a, um, the story is about Natalie, this, this college graduate, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. She just recently got graduated college. Correct, correct. And she's uh, come back to her hometown. And so you see her interacting with those people that she hasn't seen for maybe several years or whatever the case may be. And then going to that, I was actually going to mention the party scene. There's a, there, there's that douchebag that's at every party that like has to. I think his name's Mike in the movie. And he they're just has to. Mike. They're always called Mike, and he just has to like. Uh, Natalie sneaks over. This is a, it's much of a spoiler or anything like that. He, she messes with his phone. I love that and so then, uh, much. He gets so mad at everyone at the party because uh, somebody messed with his phone, and it's just hilarious because everyone has seen that guy. So it's cool the the way that you guys develop the character. I really enjoyed that. Having again, I come at this from someone that doesn't necessarily watch a lot of horror, but I wanted to mention two things that I really enjoyed about this, and that was the character development, which usually you don't see that in a horror movie. (laughs) And also, um, I really enjoyed that you stayed away from those horror movie cliches. Mm -hmm. Uh, Natalie is a very intelligent person. When it comes to the the night scenes where things are happening to her, um, she is making intelligent decisions which right. I enjoy oh I absolutely loved it like when when you see and hear the the door banging and all that kind of stuff she immediately goes to check the locks mm-hmm. you know and when you see a creepy guy outside she, you don't go out there like you, right. you yell you, through the door right. so and you grab a weapon just like just like you said I really appreciated that too and these are these are intentional like we we nobody likes to watch this person who's like well I just can't quite get away yeah. like if you just do this one simple thing, uh, you could really alleviate a lot of your problems. And uh, that's frustrating for an audience member and to have some faith in an audience and allow them mm-hmm. to use their own intelligence to say, look, well, yeah, this makes sense. This is, these, are, these are actions that I would take. Oh, yeah. uh, makes it something that helps suspend that disbelief. It sounds like that's what you actually had to do, Derek, uh, in real life. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say, uh, you know, it, it's funny because there have been, uh, I think, comments online and, and maybe even oh, a few criticisms of just like uh, what what she does when things start to unravel. And I just kept thinking, you know, we, we approach this with, uh, yeah, she's making smart decisions, but at the same time, she's making split-second decisions right. throughout yeah. this entire yeah. thing. And and it's and it's funny because uh, we both, you know, Chris and I have have this running theme with a lot of characters that we write for our screenplays, but we put them through the worst scenarios. Yeah. And <laughs> and we you, you don't want to be a main character in one of our films. Poor, poor Natalie. God, film. she's having a oh, tough man. night, man. Yeah. She, uh, she had a rough night. Yeah. <laughs> but we, well, yeah, go ahead, we Jared. really liked uh, examining her making uh, kind of decisions that, uh, in retrospect, seem really questionable or speak to a, a character trait that is maybe not um, not the best. Uh, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but there's there's one action that she does where I think, in a traditional narrative, it could be perceived as like, uh, oh, why would you have a main character do that? Um, and, and that was always fascinating because I don't know how people would react uh, in a real-life scenario where that's playing out. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, I, that obviously that is a potential spoiler to the movie, but I, you know, I think that you nailed 
Um, I, I can understand where you're coming from that maybe that's not the choice that traditionally would be made, but at that instance, I, I think I know what you're talking about, and again, I don't want to give out spoilers, yeah. <laughs> sure. uh, but I, I do think that that's a, a reasonable reaction to the things that have been going on throughout this night. I mean, um, once you're in the, the theater uh, watching this, or you know, if you catch it at home or wherever you might be listening to this, uh, definitely go and check out this movie because it, yeah. it's been able to, it really does immerse you in that world. And I think that you see through Natalie's perspective very well. Yeah, and I yep. want to call out uh, uh, maybe a minor spoiler here, so I'm warning all of you here. But uh, the, the uh, actor that plays the killer in this, mm. Uh, gotta give special marks to this guy because right. that first He's scene so where you fully see him, and once again, spoiler, 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 where he's standing up there and just dancing with the, with the <laughs> knife. Like I'm just like, I really need to be out of this room right now. Like this, this guy is so scary and so freaky because it's not like it, it's not just like a mustache twirling type of villain thing. It's just literally you're like. Okay, I don't know what this guy's deal is, but I can tell he's not right. And going into that scene, I, I kept checking my volume because I was watching this on my phone, and that's a scene where, unless my phone was uh, operating, not functioning correctly, and Derek, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there wasn't much sound at all in that scene, and it was just one of those where it just intensified the creepiness, because... By, by that point in the film, it, it's been such a long haul mm-hmm. that you can't help but just absorb that um, as like I, something that you can't explain and something that you can't put a finger on like that experience at that point. It's, yeah. it's very off-putting uh, <laughs> to say <laughs> the least. It's very off-putting. Derek, what's that, what's that guy's name? I, I'm, I'm blanking on it. Well, actually for the killer, we had a, a guy as our, you know, the body of the killer. And then we um, actually did some uh, vocal replacement and okay. we had a voice actor come in and, and do the voice. Uh, but the killer uh, body is Dan Abate and uh, the killer's voice is uh, Sean Cooley, who's actually a really terrific comedic actor uh, from Chicago. <laughs> so it was nice to see him do kind of a darker turn. He has one hell of a laugh. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to yeah. give him that. For sure. M- most, if, uh, most of the actors, uh, of the main ar- actors, are from the Chicago area. Uh, we yeah. had a, a lot of really great improvers out on set with us for that first half of the film, and they made our lives a lot easier because they're so adaptable. Uh, they can just you know change it on the fly and uh, really help helped, uh, populate that world that we'd created. Was the whole movie filled in Walnut? I think pretty nearly. I think there are a couple of things that aren't technically in Walnut, but they're all in that area, I think. Derek, is that? I believe that's correct. I don't think there's anything outside yeah, we, of that movie. We shot area. Uh, the airport, which is actually the uh, Quad Cities airport. I nice. know you mentioned that. Hey, yeah. hey I'm a Moline guy myself. Um, and then, uh, and then we shot in Princeton for that uh, that coffee scene okay. with, with Nana. So um. now all these places is kind of an independent film. I, I kind of I'm interested in that aspect, so I want to talk about that a little bit here. Um, you know, what was the response like? How was how was how were you received in all these places that you wanted to shoot? Did you have any kind of pushback? Was there any kind of hoops to jump through? Did you have to go in the middle of the night and film some of this? How did that work out? <laughs> Uh, I mean, in all honesty, uh, everybody in Walnut was super receptive to the idea of this film being shot there. And I mean, we, we spent two solid weeks of shooting and we basically had the entire town as uh, as our back lot. Um, I mean, we, we had access to all of these houses. People were offering them up, you know, as we were shooting. Oh, that's so awesome. uh, 
we had um i mean we had the actors running around at like 2 a.m screaming uh but i mean at least like you know, the the police force and everybody who was in charge of the town and uh and all of that they were they were completely on board and let us basically get away with all of it um i think we only ran into one problem and that was uh we were shooting um i'll just refer to it as the car crash scene uh we had a heckler um for oh. about three three you solid mike hours show up on yeah set. mike showed up didn't he <laughs> <laughs> actually the funny thing is uh that is one of the producers of the film played yeah. mike <laughs> party scene. that's great <laughs> The the and, kid that he uh, yelled at had no idea what was coming either. He really? Was just he was just a local. Yeah, we didn't tell uh, anybody. Yeah, just because <laughs> basically great. most of the party scene is just local folks that we were able to round up because it's Fourth of July weekend hey, and we're yeah, like, hey, right, come party come here. Yeah. And um and uh, those kids did not know that was about to happen. <laughs> they just got just had Mike bring the hammer on them. So that, that kid, really that cool. kid, the guy yelled at was just like that was a genuine. That's reaction. legit. Yeah, because he was not backing down either. Yeah, like, he, he was, was <laughs> he was on. Yeah, he was stepping for sure. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so when uh, when you're talking about getting this this rolling, I know Chris was starting to talk about a little bit about your production company, uh, Derek. But talk a little bit about the financing, how one goes about that. Um, if you're a aspiring filmmaker, maybe some tips to uh, get the ball rolling for those guys. So I mean, with you are not alone. Uh, when we were putting it together, we had a little bit of kind of uh, personal financing that we were putting towards it. And then we did a Kickstarter for about 8,000, which was finishing funds and, and the sort of thing that would get us kind of past the finish line, so to speak. Um, we, we did it about as bare bones as possible. Uh, I think our, our official total um, was around 20,000. Um, obviously, so many favors were pulled and, and, and so many arrangements were, were done to where we that budget probably should have been about two hundred thousand for what <laughs> I'd say it's an yeah. absolutely gorgeous uh, film for twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. And nice. I can't even imagine just the rig that Natalie would have had to wear. I mean that had to have been a, a pretty penny. Right? Uh well you know the funny thing is I, there were multiple rigs used to achieve the POV effect, but the one that um the actress uh Krista Zawashinsky used um was was uh like a kid's T ball helmet that we had rigged with like a special like camera arm that would mount <laughs> the camera in front and then it was back weighted. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was charming. Uh, I think <laughs> the budget level for this film can be described as that. I mean, we, I had access to my mom's house for the primary shooting location and we were all kind of just like, crashing on couches correct on yes we also lived there <laughs> yeah we lived there for about two weeks right um and uh it's one of those things i think it, a situation like that only comes about once and you try and make the most of that situation and then hopefully propel your career forward enough to obtain a budget that's maybe another zero onto that <laughs> yeah, I, yeah i think derek and i probably had about Five other screenplays at varying degrees of completion or post, you know, pre-production that we'd abandoned for one reason or another, and we finally got to a point where, like, this is the one that we're excited about. This is the one that we think is unique enough and is going to be able to, like, this is something we can get behind and we can get other people to get behind because uh, it's it's hard to go out there and be like, yo, I've got to put in all the favors I have and put them all on this one thing. Uh, so finally to have gotten to that point where it's like, this is the one, 
going for it and being able to finally see something through to distribution has been pretty exciting for us. We're um, super stoked to, and we're doing, uh, you know, three city tour right now of the film, uh, which will be in Springfield. Uh, We'll be in Chicago at the Logan Theater on June 30th. Uh, July 1st, they're going to do a a showing in the park at, uh, in Walnut. Okay. Uh, So we're going to be going back to where it all began there for that. And then um, (laughs) we'll be doing, uh, the July 2nd showing here in Springfield at the Hoagland. That's great. Derek, are you coming up for those? Uh, Yes, I'm actually going to be at all three events. Um, So it's very exciting to see this uh, with a live audience um, (laughs) and to be able to see those those reactions in person. Um, Just just, uh, an extension of Chris's thought earlier, you know, we've had so many projects that were in the pipeline and being worked on in various stages and um, being pitched. And I think I, I vividly remember the conversation that essentially started this project, and that was uh, we were talking late one night. We talked about the fact that we need to do a genre movie. We need to do it for low budget, and we just have to make a film. Uh, so no more, no more talking about it. And yeah, we need to get we need to get something off the ground. Production. So, yep. Well, I got to tell you guys, I think you've got some big things going your way because this is a, this is a very, very strong effort into the uh, horror film genre. Well, thank you. Um, I absolutely love it. I can't wait. Uh, so how can, fe- how can people find the film uh, online and find you guys? Where can they go? Uh, well, you can go directly to our website to purchase the film, which is uh, yanafilm.com. Um, you can pre-purchase it or purchase it rather through VHX. And then um, additionally, we're going to have other VOD platforms that are going to be launching soon. Uh, people who have Amazon accounts will be able to watch it very, very soon. Awesome. And then you can buy the DVD directly through our website. We've got a, an e-store uh, available. People can buy merchandise, which includes the uh, special edition DVD. Um, additionally, if uh, people can make it out to the screenings in Chicago, Walnut, and Springfield, they can buy a physical copy of the movie there as well as uh, other merchandise. That's awesome. great. Um, you know, we'd be, we're going to try to wrap up a little bit here, but I just wanted to give you guys a couple of minutes if there's anything that uh, you wanted to really hit on about this film or the, the whole filmmaking process. Just have at it. <laughs> Uh, well, I think we, uh, I know Derek has, uh, he and some of his partners have, have begun, uh, a new chapter for us. And that's really where we're using, uh, you are not alone to help launch, um, B movie, which is the studio that, that, uh, we're using to distribute. Okay. Uh, and that's, uh, that's also, uh, where Derek is currently producing, uh, another film. Uh, what's the, uh, official title on that one, Derek? Oh, uh, that film is hashtag slaughterhouse, which I am like neck deep in production right now. <laughs> right, right. Um, this is actually the one day off of like a two week solid uh, shooting schedule. So, but they've um, recently so launched their Kickstarter campaign. I know, and that's sort of like where we're headed is we're focusing on moving towards that next project so that we can get that one out the door and start working on the next thing for us too. Is, is that Kickstarter live? The, yes, yeah. that, uh, the Kickstarter for Hashtag Slaughterhouse is live. Uh, you can search for it on Kickstarter or you can find it on Facebook. Uh, it's just uh, Slaughterhouse 2016. I think it's the, the Facebook page. Um, but yeah, look up Hashtag Slaughterhouse. Uh, another fun uh, entry into uh, the horror genre. Um, yes. But yeah, a lot of exciting things happening. Uh, the, the movie studio that Chris was referring to is located here in Austin, Texas. Um, and then uh, our next project is uh, probably going to be going into pre-production within the next couple of months once we wrap up the tour of You Are Not Alone. 
So lots of things on the on the horizon. That is so awesome. Well, there's not enough good horror films out there, so I almost want to personally thank both of you for making a good one. Well, thanks. Um, thank and you. before we let you go, we would be remiss if we uh, if we didn't do this because it's a front row thing. Every time you're uh, yes. on the podcast for the first time, <laughs> the first of many, you're always welcome back after yeah. hashtag right. slaughterhouse and everything. Absolutely. Um, but what is your favorite movie? Favorite movie of all time. Ooh. I'll let um, you go first, Chris. <laughs> um, that's, I probably, There Will Be Blood is probably. Oh, nice. nice. Good pull. So, yeah, that's a fantastic choice. He drinks uh, your milkshake. <laughs> I drink um, it up. <laughs> I'll say favorite film right now, which will change probably in about a year, but favorite film right now is probably Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> yes! Absolutely. I'm going to tell you why this is so funny to us, um, because our very first podcast was supposed to be on the Big Trouble in Little China, and we still have not recorded it a year later. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, there was well, like some news the first week I we started like uh, podcasting that, oh, yeah. um, was it The Rock? He's going to be remaking Big yeah, Trouble? Yeah, it was. The Rock's going to be in everything, so I mean, I'm sure it was The Rock, and he was going to be remaking uh, Big Trouble in Little China, and we're like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to yeah, we're totally do that, and then it's never happened. <laughs> I think it should just be the recurring joke of our podcast. It's like, yeah, it's coming next week. Big trouble in Little China. Um, there you go. Uh, guys, no, seriously, thank you so much. Uh, everyone out there in podcast land, please go and find You Are Not Alone. Uh, it's a great, great film. Uh, come to the screenings. Once again, just one more time, where are they at? July 2nd, we're going to want to see you here in Springfield uh, at the Hoagland at 7 p.m. And uh, we're going to be in Chicago on June 30th. And in Walnut, Illinois, we're going to be in the park in uh, July 1st. There it is, guys. So go out there. Go to YANA. Dot com, right? Y A N A film. Film. Film.com. Okay, so go do that, guys. Thank you so, so much for being on here. Thanks for having us. Anytime, guys. All right, great. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. All right, everyone out there in podcast land, that is it. That is our interview with the creators of You Are Not Alone, a new horror experience. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. And we just want to let you know that in addition to the screening they will be doing here in Springfield at the Hoagland Center for the Arts on July 2nd, uh, they will be passing out some flyers for us. And on those flyers, you will be able to see that we are going to do an actual full disclosure on this movie so that you can go and hear not only this interview, but also what we thought in comprehensive fashion of the movie itself. So, Go on over to yanafilm.com, support these guys, and I'll just give you a little hint. I really, really like this movie. A little preview there of what the full disclosure might hold. Thanks, guys, so much for listening. Head on over to their website, and, of course, head on over to ours, thefrontrowmoviereviews.com. And, of course, as always, we will see you in the front row.